My name is Dorothy Hollabaugh, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big Podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today we have an incredible episode with one of Steve and I's longtime friends, Dorothy Holaba. She is the founder of Needles Eyes Media, a digital advertising agency for data-driven businesses looking to scale as well as the co-founder and CEO of a company called The Gig, a digital media company that helps freelancers acquire and profit from high-income online skills. Dorothy is one of those people that realized early on that making money for herself wasn't the driving force, but making money to have an impact in this world was. And in this episode, Dorothy shares some of the incredible marketing tips on how she is able to run her marketing agency to be optimized in any economy, why she is so passionate about the freelancing space, and also goes deep into the different seasons of business and how to overcome some of the most challenging times. We also dig deep into the give big side with Dorothy and why she believes giving has to be built as a muscle from day one and how she is creating an incredible culture inside of her company with a really cool platform that promotes giving to her employees. Dorothy is such an incredible human and so inspiring to be around, and I hope you all enjoy hanging out with her as much as we did today. Let's jump into today's episode and be inspired by the incredible Dorothy Hollabaugh. All right, we are excited to welcome Dorothy Hollabaugh to the show today. It is so good to have you back. We became friends quite a while ago from a mastermind and just touching base again for the first time in quite a few years, which is absolutely exciting. And uh, you are someone that we are excited to have come in because you used to run a podcast called Do Do Good, which is essentially what we've created here in the same format, where we're just talking to people that are doing incredible things and then want to make some sort of impact in the world. So we're excited to have you come in and chat with us for a little bit about it. Oh, I'm so hyped to be here with you guys. It's just so great to see you and I love what you're doing. So thank you for having me. We want to jump into, obviously, you have a really incredible ad agency and you're doing some stuff for freelance workers now and you've got a lot of moving parts in your life and we're going to get into that. But uh, I would love for you just to share a little bit about a story of how you started your entrepreneurial journey at such a young age. And I know you love sharing this story a little bit, but uh, man, you love walking dogs and you found a way to get paid to do it and doing it at a young age. So share share the story of how you started your dog walking business. Oh, wow. You want to go way back. All right, let's do it. So yeah, my first business was at age six. I was obsessed with dogs and my parents were not on board with getting one. So I figured if I can't have my own, why don't I hang out with other people's? So I started Dorothy's dog walking service, put flyers all around the neighborhood. No one called, surprisingly. They weren't (laughs) desperate for a six-year-old to walk their dog. 
I took the natural next step and announced to my parents that I was going to go knock on doors. They let me, they were, they were what I would call free range parents. They were like very chill with me just going around and knocking on doors by myself. And so I did that. And by the time I was maybe eight or so, I just had kind of crazy number of customers, did it till I was about 12. And it kind of sparked my entrepreneurial hunger of, hey, if there's something you want, go and get it and figure out a way. I just love that because it's like, who at six years old is like, mm, I'm just going to go start walking dogs because I want to be around dogs and then turn it into a business. And their parents are like, yeah, it's cool. You can just go knock on a bunch of doors. We don't care. Go explore. So I think that's an awesome story. And obviously that's set you up and transitioned you into where you are today, where you're doing some really incredible stuff. So um, fast forward to today, what does the day of Dorothy look like now when you're running your media company? And then give us a little bit more into what you're doing with the gig. Yeah. So I'll bridge the gap for you between first business and second business. I intended on being an accountant. That was kind of my goal all throughout college. And then during my senior year, I kind of stumbled into this whole world of personal development and it really flipped everything on its head for me. And I realized that I was going into accounting for all of the wrong reasons. It was really not something that I was excited about or passionate about. So I ended up giving up my job offer two weeks after I graduated moved to Chicago and through a crazy twist and turn of events, ended up meeting the co-founder of a startup and became their fourth employee. So this was in 2013. I began working there and was there for about three and a half years, really getting an incredible front row seat to what it looked like to scale a business from zero to they ended, by the time I left, they were at about $10 million in annual revenue. And it was totally bootstrapped. And this was in the meal subscription space. So a very operationally difficult business. We were such a scrappy team. And it was just uh, an incredible way to wear a lot of different hats and really be involved in so many different areas of the business. They ultimately went on to have a multiple nine-figure exit to HelloFresh actually ended up buying this company. So um, it was really just an incredible experience for me. And in basically the end of 2016, when I decided that I was ready to move on and try something new, I wanted to do something on my own, but I really didn't know what that was going to be. But I really worked very hard on my mindset and just building belief in myself that I was able to try. And and through, again, another kind of really kind of beautiful turn of events with the universe kind of showing me the way, I ended up at a Facebook ads workshop in Madison, Wisconsin. And that led to me hiring a coach and really working with him over the next year to learn from the ground up how to get incredible results for people running ads. And so- Did you do any uh, ads in the company that you were with before? Like, did you have some experience there before you went into that uh, workshop? So I was in marketing, but I was not managing our ads directly. They had agencies that they worked with. And so when I started freelancing- running ads for other people, I really didn't have any direct experience. It was very much going out and looking for people who were willing to take a bet on me and knowing that I was going to work harder than anyone else (laughs) that, that they could find to figure it out and get them results. And because I had invested in this coach who did have just, I mean, he was one of the best known names in that world of Facebook advertising, working with him hand in hand, I was able to really get results for people. And from that first couple of clients in 2017, freelancing on my own, that just started to build and build because I was delivering for those people who who took a chance on me. Fast forward and 
that experience freelancing eventually morphed into my agency. And we we spend millions of dollars every year on paid traffic for our clients, but we've never spent a dollar on ads for ourselves. And really all of our business has come from referrals and building relationships. So it's really been an incredible experience. I mean, that just speaks to the quality of what you're doing. And if all of your business is coming from referrals, that's a good position to be in. But I know that you are like the queen of paid ads here. And I think just like, I have a bit of marketing experience and, and I've done like our, a lot of our own. And I think just over the last, I don't know, it feels like two or three years, it's paid ad traffic has just been like in a state of constant change and evolution. And like, once you figure it out, you're like, oh no, guess what? They changed the algorithm again. And now I got to go refigure it out all over again. What do we need to know about paid ads today? And how long is that going to last for? Well, that could be its own six-hour podcast episode, <laughs> but I think what what really worked in our favor and our clients' favor when iOS 14 hit and the changes in the industry really accelerated was that I very much came from this like data and analytics background. I've always been a numbers person. I've always loved the data side of running ads, which in my opinion... You know, at this point now with a team, like I surround myself with very creative people, but I really believe that understanding data and how to read the story that data is telling you and make decisions based off of that is really the most important thing in being successful with paid advertising. And so what's crazy is that um, actually my first couple clients that I got in 2017, when I first hired that coach, several of them are still with me today, five and a half, almost six years later. And I think really what was the reason that, you know, iOS 14 and all these big shifts didn't impact our clients in the way that they did many people is that I was never relying on the data within Facebook to make our decisions. Because even prior to those big shifts in privacy and tracking, it was never really fully accurate. It was certainly a lot better than it was now. But we've always been really big on Um, being very granular in terms of how you're doing tracking and analytics on the funnel side in order to give you the information to make the best decisions possible. So what that looks like is totally separate funnels for different tracking sources, really using some crazy gymnastics in terms of how you're passing through different variables to get as much information as you can about where a lead or a customer came from like within your CRM so that you can use that third-party data to make decisions inside of your ad account. So that's really been a big key for us is not relying on kind of the numbers that you're seeing inside of Ads Manager. Pay attention to the small things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do the things that other people aren't willing to do. I mm-hmm. mean, because that's really like we we work with 10 to 15 clients at any given time. And each of the media buyers on our team, they have four accounts <laughs> roughly that they're responsible for. And as I've hired people, especially out of bigger agencies, one of our team members, our media buyers, the agency that he worked at before ours, he was responsible for 75 ad accounts. And it's kind of the dark side of the agency world that so many agencies are just this kind of burn and churn model where Mm -hmm. their sales teams are as big as the marketing teams because they know they're only keeping people for two, three, four months before they realize that it's not working for them. We really pride ourselves on going very deep with our clients. And I think that's really why they stay with us for so many years and why we're able to get results. I want to ask you about this next season of what we're expecting economy-wise. And I think there's... I'm not going to say it's a fact, but a lot of people are saying like we're going into recession slash we're already in a recession and there's data showing you know, a lot of that. 
part of me thinks that's the perfect time to double down on like your social content because if jobs do start being lost and we've seen big companies start doing some layoffs and hiring freezes and that kind of stuff one side of the coin in my head thinks okay there's gonna be more people on social just sitting on the couch scrolling through social media on the other side i'm like okay if we're going into that same space there's going to be less dollars to spend and it becomes more competitive being that people aren't spending as much money so if they're going to pick between one or two they have to pick at least you know me kind of thing what's your opinion on i'll say paid strategy going into what could be tougher times yeah i mean i think it really depends on what market you're in who you're selling to the reality is that a uh, any recession does not impact all sectors of the market equally. So the answer to that question is like very heavily dependent on what your business is and who you're selling to. I would say uh, people, even in any recession, people don't stop buying things. They change what they buy and they change how they buy, but money is still changing hands. And you know, I definitely encourage people to really just don't focus on what you're hearing in the news. Don't focus on what the fear mongering going on, like focus on what is happening inside of your ad account. And as long as you are always looking at the, the data that you're, you know, that you're getting back every day, every week, every month, and continuing to make decisions based on what that data is telling you to do, that is going to help you be very intelligent about where and how you're shifting your spend, regardless of what's happening in terms of the outside circumstances of the market. I love all that. And I want to transition a little bit now into another company that you're creating. And you're just like seeing some opportunities now and things that you've experienced. And then you want to share those experiences with other people. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what the gig is and how freelance works coming in. And then I want to dive into the same economics question that Steve was going into, but a little bit more about how freelancers, how their world is going to change uh, as we go into a recession. So share with us a little bit about what it is, where did it get inspired from or come from? And then we can dive into some more serious questions about it. Thank you. I'm so freaking passionate about freelancing because that was really the door that opened that allowed me to become a business owner. And I think that what's really incredible is the way that freelancing has, and remote work in general, has really gone from the fringe to the mainstream in the last couple of years. COVID really accelerated that. And 41% of the American workforce freelanced in 2020, which I think is a really wow. incredible stat. And there's even studies that predict that up to 50% of the American workforce will be made up of freelancers in the next 10 years. So freelancing has really exploded. And I think what's really incredible about it is that what freelancing did for me was the ability to learn and get paid to learn by working with clients. When you first get started... You know, if you're looking to freelance in like what we call these high income skills, so paid ads, copywriting, graphic design, funnel building, there are so many businesses out there of all sizes that need help with these things. And freelancing is a really powerful way that you can start to build these skills and help companies who, if you're like, say, if you're a beginner kind of paid ads person learning this, you're probably going to be working with more beginner business owners at the beginning, but that's okay. You're going to help each other and you're going to gain that experience, which is exactly what I did. And that is what allowed me to you know, go from 
absolutely, you know, zero starting off totally on my own to I ultimately I've made over a million dollars from clients just on Upwork freelancing over the last several years. And then that morphed into, you know, now a seven figure agency. And so I think it's just a great entry point into the world of business for people, whether you're looking to do like I did and go full time right from the start and really build a business very seriously. Or if you're looking to earn an extra $500, $1,000 a month on the side of what you may be doing in a full-time job. I'm just so passionate about freelancing as an opportunity to create freedom and opportunity in your life. And so the gig is a business that was really born out of that passion. Myself and my business partner, Jim, he's a copywriter. He had a very similar experience that I did with freelancing. And so we are now publishing a daily email newsletter to help people to acquire and profit from these high-income online skills, teach them how to work with clients, how to work for themselves effectively, and really build a business freelancing. That is so cool. I have like 700 questions in this space, so I'm not sure which direction I want to take this. I want to comment and just say, I think a lot of where the world is going is people are realizing that you don't need to hire somebody full-time, pay them a full salary and have them do everything when I can just go find freelancing for someone that's direct expert in this one skill and just pay them for the one thing for that little bit of stuff and not needing to just hire someone that's like, hey, you're good at social media, but you're also good at paid marketing, but you're also good at this so I can make it work. It's like, I can just go find three different freelancers that are experts at those and dive into them. So I love that that's you're opening that space up to have those conversations. But I really want to hear about like, what is that going to do for, you talked about some of those stats that are coming out about where freelancing is going. Like, where do you envision freelancing having its biggest breakthrough? Is it people going time and supporting people? Is it part-time on top of their jobs? Is it just giving them freedom to, to travel? What are you seeing the most for freelancers of what they're able to do? Well, I mean, I think that's the incredible thing about freelancing is that all of those things are possibilities, you know? So it, it really is something that can be whatever it is that you want it to be. I mean, even like my husband, for example, he has a podcast and has just started getting a few clients here and there for doing podcast production for other people. Whether or not you want to be full-time or you just want to kind of create a second stream of income outside of your job, I think freelancing, it can be kind of to whatever scale that you're looking for. And I think especially with, to Steve's point about the recession and all the talk around global economy, What's really cool about freelancing, it goes back to what I said around a recession doesn't impact all sectors of the market equally. So what's incredible about having one of these high income skills as a freelancer is that when there is a recession or a shift in the market, you don't need to change what you do. You only need to change who you do it for. So it allows you to pivot very quickly. You know, if you are working with clients in the travel industry and then something like COVID happens, you know, that, that actually happened to us. Like we lost 40% of our agency revenue overnight when COVID hit because we had a couple of clients who were advertising live events. And so what was really, what was really interesting and, and really drove this point home for me personally was that we were able to make up all of that lost revenue and more in just about, I think it was maybe six weeks. Because we had this skill of driving traffic, right? And yes, it was true that events aren't happening and those people aren't advertising, but we were able to go and pivot into the sectors that were really blowing up during that time. For example, e-commerce really just had massive gains. You know, I think that's really the key about freelancing is 
these are skills that can never be taken away from you. And regardless of what's happening around you or in the job market, in the global economy, you're always going to have that skill and you're going to be able to apply it to wherever the opportunity exists at that time. Such a great answer. I love that. And just so much opportunity. And I think it's just the way we're going in the world. And as we see more layoffs come, I think we'll see more people make that transition. So I think you're in the right space at the right time. Because as we just see, literally like tens of twenties of thousands of people laid off from each company, those people, the first thing they're going to do is like, if everyone else is getting laid off, I'm going to go look for something that I can do with my skill set that I learned in these big fortune 500 companies. And then we'll create a bunch of freelancers. So I love what you're doing. I want to touch on one thing here last on the, on the go big side. Something I heard on a previous podcast that you were on was just the seasons of business and how it's changed you and some of the stuff you've had to go through and overcome the adversity you faced and how you've came out the back end. And I don't know if we need to go into the full story of how the struggles that you've went through, but I really want to learn when you are growing a business and you are scaling it, what are like, how do you stay in a positive mindset when you are going through some of the worst seasons you've ever been through in business? And then now turning into some of the best seasons you've ever been in business. What are you doing to formulate that and stay true to yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's, there are certain lessons that you just kind of have to learn for yourself. Because I think when I first started freelancing, I was always, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I was always focused on kind of that next revenue goal or profit goal. And so, you know, it was very easy to fall into that trap, which I think is common, of Thinking like, gosh, when I'm at $10,000 a month, this is going to be so much easier. When I'm at $20,000 a month, this is going to be so much easier. Then it became 50. Then it became 70. And it's like, as I hit all of these goals, like I remember having a very, just I can remember so clearly the month when we had our first $50,000 month. And I just thought back to when, you know, I was doing so much less than that and thinking like, oh man, things are really going to be rolling then. Like it's going to be so easy. And The reality is that as you grow in your business, now we're a seven-figure agency, it's not that you no longer have any problems. The challenges, the problems, they just change. And all of a sudden, you're tackling bigger challenges than you were at the beginning. And it becomes, I think, once you recognize that you're always going to face obstacles and you're always going to be in this constant process of facing what's in front of you and, and moving past it, you start to embrace that. And it really becomes fun because you realize that it's really not this destination. It's not the destination. It's the journey. And it like it sounds so cliche, but it's that's why I say it's kind of the lesson that you have to learn for yourself. Because I had so many people tell me that when I was at earlier stages of the journey. And you know, I think I really had to see for myself that that it really is true. And you know, I think now as we look to go from, you know, a $1 million company to a $5 million company and beyond, I'm really able to embrace the hard seasons in the same way that I'm able to embrace the seasons where we're just flying high and everything is flowing really well. Because, you know, the hard seasons are really what make the the easier seasons feel so magical, right? And, you know, I, I went through a really challenging period in the business at the beginning of this year. I won't go into the full story, but we had made some really aggressive hiring moves. And then some of our team members had some personal challenges that basically had us unable to bring in, bring on new clients. And so it was such a challenging time period for me mentally. And once I got through that in the next six months, we essentially doubled the business. And what I think was a really incredible lesson for me was just realizing that 
going through that time that was really hard for me mentally, I came out of that so much stronger and so much mm. resilient, more resilient and just feeling like, man, now I know like I'm going to be able to tackle whatever comes my way. And I think it's really just having that mindset of resilience and just belief, not in the circumstances being favorable, but belief in your ability to push through and accomplish your goals, regardless of what the circumstances look like. It's just all about mindset. It's all about really working on yourself as hard as you're working on the business. Dorothy, I absolutely love that. And uh, congratulations on those breakthroughs and the success that has come from that. And something that I've done a lot of reflection on recently, like very recently, it's super relevant for me, is like direction over destination. Mm-hmm. And that like little bit of a mindset shift, just like I, I struggle with like accomplishment and then immediately afterwards think what's next and I disregard the, the accomplishment. So instead of just having like that accomplishment and then like that low afterwards, I just think uh, direction over destination. Yeah. But um, you made me smile when you said that because I think it's so important to celebrate the wins. Yeah, like as very driven people, like we just we accomplish something and then we're just already like on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And like I've been trying to get better at that. I literally, I'll show you real quick. I literally have this giant five balloon. <laughs> I was celebrating earlier this year, like the five year anniversary of the agency. And cool. it honestly, it was like a week after that I realized, like, holy shit, like we just we just passed five years. Like this is huge. And so like slowing down and celebrating the wins, I think is so important because that's really what makes it fun. I think too, with it, when it's directional instead of destinational, there's like wins every day that you're then able to celebrate instead of like, okay, we got six months to accomplish this goal and you're not celebrating anything for those six months because you're so like hustled and tuned in. So I love the little conversation, but pivot on the give big side of things, pre hit and record, we were talking about a really cool platform that you exposed us to. And I want to uh, ask you like how goodtoday.org is incorporated into your business and how that has helped the culture of your business and what that looks like now. Yeah. So this company is so cool. I just want to shout it to the rooftops to anyone who will listen. <laughs> So basically, goodtoday.org is a platform that makes it very easy for companies and organizations to incorporate giving into their teams. So we use Slack for, for our communications internally. And so we have a little Slack app, I guess it is, where every single day, every member of our team gets this prompt to choose between two charities that are being featured that day. And they select which one is really calling to their heart that they want to donate to. And then us as the company, we donate on behalf of all of our employees to the charities that they selected that day. And so it's just been so incredible because, you know, uh, one thing that I talk about a lot around giving is that giving is a habit. It's a muscle. It's not something that, you know, you do in, I think in the best case scenario, like it shouldn't be something that you just do once a year or in these kind of like big moments. It should be a habit and a muscle that you're exercising consistently throughout your days, weeks, months, and years. Because I think it it feeds our souls. You guys know, like there's there are really very few things that can light you up and really drive you and push you forward more than helping another person. So I think what's incredible about goodtoday.org is it has allowed us to really come together as a team within my company, Needles Eye Media, 
and to really be engaged in giving together. And that's something that has just been so powerful for us culturally as a team and organization. And brand-wise too, like, have you noticed the difference since incorporating this platform or other pieces where maybe you're looking at a hiring stage in your business and people choose you because you have that philanthropic aspect of things because the culture itself is so tight? Like, how is it affecting your business in a positive way? Honestly, it's something that I need to get louder about and actually share more with our clients and prospective hires because transparently, I've not done a good job of really kind of sharing that with people kind of before they they join the team. And so I think for me so far, it's really been about those bonds and building that culture internally. But I think it's a missed opportunity, honestly, because people want to work with companies that care. And if you are someone who really has a giving heart and that's something that's important to you, the opportunity to hire or be hired by a company that incorporates giving back into the fabric of what they do, it's a really powerful thing. Definitely something that I'm looking to do more of as we move forward. I have so many questions for you on the give big side because you're just a natural philanthropic person at heart. You just love doing good. And it's something that just comes second nature to you. But I do want to touch on, you did run a podcast that was Do Well, Do Good. And you interviewed a lot of people along the way. And I'm just curious to hear, like, what are some of the common traits you've seen in business owners that want to add some philanthropic adventures into their business or make it part of their culture and stuff? What are some of the characteristics that they bring to the teams that you've seen through the interviews that you've done? You know, I think what I noticed in interviewing so many different entrepreneurs who had really built giving into the ethos of their brand. You know, it's all of the way that we're motivated as people and the way that we can really push ourselves to to do more, to to go bigger, right? Because I think that it's important to recognize and to validate for people that it's okay to have desires for yourself, right? It's okay to want nicer things, to want to live in a fancier place, to take more like lavish vacations. And I think often there's this, I think, really unhealthy kind of assumption that people make that it's either or, like either you want that bigger and better things for yourself, or you're a really philanthropic person who wants to give and wants to do things for other people. And I think what I've noticed, especially in some of my mentors who really just have philanthropy at the heart of everything they do, it is shifting the conversation to really, really raising all ships and having both of those things go hand in hand together. Because I think when you only focus on those goals that you have for yourself of things that you want or things you want to create in your life, it can start to feel really empty after a while, right? Because what you recognize is that you accomplish those things, right? And as you hit each of those different goals or you get things that you have on your vision board, you start to realize that it doesn't necessarily feel the way that you expected it to feel. You know, and I think a big part of that is because you have already piled on the next thing or the next goal. And it's so different from that feeling that you get when you serve others. And when you really make an impact in someone's life and help someone who doesn't have the opportunities that you have or the resources that you have. And, you know, I think uh, what's interesting and, and was interesting in the conversations that I had with entrepreneurs was, you know, really seeing them recognize as they grew their businesses that it is so much more fulfilling to serve and to help other people than it is to just accomplish these accolades for yourself or to buy that bigger house or go on that nicer vacation. And so I think it's a really important distinction. You should never make yourself feel bad for wanting things for yourself. 
But as you go along the journey, you realize that like true fulfillment, it, it comes from helping other people. And once you get a taste of that, it's addictive and you just want to do more and more and more and give bigger and bigger and bigger because there's just truly nothing that lights our souls on fire more than doing that for other people. And so I think that's a lot kind of going back to the idea of like, there's some lessons that you really have to learn for yourself. You know, it's easy to build a big business and then realize that you're unfulfilled and realize that it hasn't done for you emotionally what you thought it would. And I think if you're in that place, it's probably because you're not serving. It's probably because you're not doing things to really help other people because that's really ultimately where fulfillment comes from. I love every second of that. And I love how you're just like, it's addictive. And it is. When you start giving and you start serving, it's just as addictive as getting the money to build and grow and buy the nice cars, except for your addiction can last forever. Yeah. Once you get the fancy car, you kind of lose a little bit of that addiction and it's not as fun. It becomes not as enjoyable, but giving, you can just keep giving forever and do more impact. And one thing I wanted you to touch on briefly before I pass it off to Steve here was sometimes in the world of giving, people think, oh, I'm not able to make enough big enough impact because I don't make enough money or I'm not doing enough stuff. And I know in the freelancing space, some people might just think like, I don't make enough money. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to do this stuff. And you talked about building giving as a muscle. So as you're talking to freelancers that are maybe independent and just starting to grow their businesses and stuff, how can they feel like they're making an impact in this world, even though maybe they're not running a seven-figure agency where they're like, oh, I wish I could give like Dorothy does because she's doing so well versus someone who's a new freelancer just starting out. How can they feel like they're still making the same impact? The reality is if you won't give $1 out of $100, you will not give 10000 out of a million. And it doesn't matter if, I mean, you're screaming, but no, that's not true. That's not me. It's uh, as you get further along in your journey, the scale at which you can give will grow. But, you know, I mean, I think there's been this same kind of virality on social media lately of people being publicly and, you know, people seeing people who will have absolutely nothing and yet they'll give you the one dollar that they have. And, you know, I think that is something to really look internally and recognize that it doesn't matter how early you are in your journey. Maybe you can only donate $5 to a cause that's important to you. It's important to do it because you won't do it then. You know, uh, the likelihood that you're ever going to hit this place where it's like, okay, now I'm successful. Now I'm able to give. That's really just not how, how things work, how we as people work. And so really looking at giving as being a muscle and as being a habit that, that you practice and continue to grow, that's really critical. I think that's why it's great. Put a percentage on it. Maybe it's 10% of your profits that you're going to put aside for giving, whatever. Maybe it's more. Maybe it feels good to you. It, you know, Building that habit early, I think, is so important. We more, and I think just finding that right cause. When you find that right cause, it doesn't matter if you're donating a dollar or $10,000, you know the impact that it's going to have with that organization. Sink in or, or look deep here for a second and share one of your favorite moments of giving that when you look back onto it, still just gives you goosebumps. I love that question. I think for me, the moments of giving that really can kind of make me emotional looking back on them are the ones where I was helping someone who 
was right there in front of me. And I'm able to really see that impact that I'm making. And I think, and that's certainly not to say it's incredible to give to charities and given in any way that you want to give. But there's something so powerful about seeing someone in need and being able to make a difference in that moment. I've had a number of those moments that are really meaningful to me. Um, One that I'll share, this is one that really makes me smile when I think back on it. There was a woman who owned and ran the dry cleaners that I used to live by. And I never knew much about her, but through kind of going into the dry cleaners and seeing her every every couple of months, we developed a friendly relationship. And what was so interesting to me was seeing, gosh, she is always there. It is never anyone else. It doesn't matter what time of day I go in. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Like It is always her. And One day I saw that she had a sign up that explained that she was closing for a few days. And I asked her about it and she explained to me that her family was visiting from China for the first time in something like a decade. And that in all that time that she had owned this dry cleaning business, she had never taken a day off. Not one. She was there all the time, every day. And she explained that she was really wrestling with this decision about closing the store as her family was coming to visit because she really wanted to spend this time with her family, but she wasn't really in a position to be able to close down for a few days and not have that be something substantial for her. So um, at that time, I was taking 10% of my profits in the agency and using it to give back. And the next day, I took all of that money in cash, put it in an envelope, wrote her a note about how much I appreciated her and had enjoyed getting to know her. And I went in and handed it to her. And I wanted to make sure that she could enjoy those days off to the fullest. And uh, it was actually the way the timing worked out. We were actually moving neighborhoods several miles away. And so I knew that I probably wasn't going to be seeing her as often. Um, You know, I gave it to her. I didn't wait for her to open it up and see what was inside because I didn't want to put her on the spot. But the look on her face, just getting what was clearly a thank you card and some envelope, she didn't know what was inside. The look on her face was something that I will never forget. And that was several years ago at this point, but it just stuck with me so deeply. And I think, you know, that's really the gift that we get when we give. It's knowing that impact that we have on other people and our ability to do something that might be small for us, but is so big to that person. I love it. It's so funny that the, I would say 100% of the people that share a story about giving doesn't come with a tax receipt. Yeah. And I think that's something that we need to uh, just continue to embrace is like the moments, the biggest moments of giving have never come with a tax receipt. And I just absolutely love that. Great story and good on you. I really appreciate hearing that and how you're able to just have such a kind hearted thing. And I think it just goes to so much of your character of how you've shown up your entire life and how you've just been able to do so much in this world. So with that, we're going to jump into our giving round. So it's just some rapid fire questions about some giving questions. And are you good? I'm good. I love it. Thanks. Let's hammer this out. Brag on one charity that you like right now. So I'm going to brag on the Backpack Project. You can find it at pathtokindness.org. It was started by a nine-year-old here in Chicago after he was downtown with his family to see Christmas lights and saw a homeless woman with a sign asking for help. So he wanted to do something. He got together with his father and started putting together these backpacks with water and socks and blankets and other necessities. Now he's 13 years old and his organization has delivered nearly a thousand backpacks to people on the streets of Chicago. Um, I love it when we see kids really building that muscle of giving early and inspiring people around them. So I think that's really cool. Super special. What would be more excited? Donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? 
spending a week. I mean, you know, there's really nothing that can compare to, again, to like really being able to see the difference that you're making for people. And so, you know, I think both are really, really exciting and something that I always want to do, but there's nothing like really taking your time and using it to make an impact. Who inspires you with their giving right now? So my business mentor is a guy named Chris Harder, and his whole brand is about generosity and the idea that when good people make good money, they can do great things. And he inspires me because he's really taught me about the power in giving out loud. Because when you give in the dark, you serve that person and you feel good yourself. But when you give out loud, you inspire others to give. And that creates this chain reaction that's so powerful. Do you think that entrepreneurs starting the business should include a giving component from day one? Or once they have a little bit of money in the bank account and a little bit of traction? Yeah, I mean, I think this goes back to what I said. If you won't give a dollar out of 100, you're not going to give 10,000 out of a million. So building that muscle from the start, I believe, is very important. Love that. What is the first thing you think of when you hear go big to give big? Fulfillment. Success without, without giving, without serving is empty. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of people have to learn the hard way by building a big business and realizing that it doesn't fill them up the way that they thought it would. And if you're in that position, it's probably because you're not serving. And really, to me, it's all about fulfillment. Other, other than that one word, in one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Inspired. You know, I think giving, it's one thing that really motivates me to do more and create more so that I can give more. And I, I think that's when building businesses, that's when, you know, chasing goals becomes really fun because it's not just about you. Love that. The final question that we ask all of our guests, the age-old question that uh, you've probably heard before, but I'd love to hear your answer on it. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? I believe that being happy is a choice. I believe that money can help you to avoid pain in certain situations. It absolutely makes it easier if you know that if your car breaks down, that you're going to have the, the money to be able to handle that situation. But I believe that money follows happiness and follows the choice to really feel grateful for what you have and then build upon that. Yeah, that's what I would say. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you so much, Dorothy, for coming on today and inspiring all of our guests to go bigger with their dreams and goals so they can give bigger with their profits. And I would love for you to take a few minutes and brag on yourself. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about what you're doing? Where can they uh, get involved with some of the stuff that you got going on? Thank you so much. This has been a ton of fun. You can find me on Instagram at Dorothy Halla. You can find me on... I would love to give a gift to your audience if, if I can do that. So if you are a freelancer or if you are looking to explore freelancing to you know, help build a side income, whatever it might be, if you go to thegig.io slash VIP and opt in for the gig there, you'll receive two things. You'll receive our high income skills guide that goes through the best skills to start freelancing. And you'll also receive my video training on my step-by-step -step process for how to get clients from Upwork. So if you go to thegig.io slash VIP, you can get both of those things there. Awesome. What a gift. And I know guys, that's going to be such good quality content. Anything Dorothy does is to the highest standard and is just pure value add. And I really love serving people. That's clearly come out in this episode. So thank you so much for coming on and inspiring us and just sharing all about your journey. It's been great. Thank you for having me. You guys are amazing. 
Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.